Changed by Love is the teaching ministry of Pastor Jim Kevney of Calvary Chapel, Morris Hills, located in Dover, New Jersey. Our desire is to teach the Word of God with passion and simplicity, as well as a direct application for our lives. With that in mind... devil under every rock <laughs> and other people are like well, what about what I did um listen I have a pool party to go to I can't sit here and debate that stuff with you but you're more than welcome to stay after service <laughs> I have to get into serious uh, squirt gun wars with 10 year olds and uh, we can debate who caused what but I'm convinced that God has appointed the opportunity in both prosperity and adversity for us to grow deeper in our relationship with him God doesn't promise to provide a response to everything we ask, but He will guide us through the scriptures that lead us into His presence. Some of the questions we ask simply can't be answered in a way we want, but we can take refuge in the presence of the One who is sovereign over everything that concerns us. In today's teaching with Pastor Jim, we're reminded that God is creating good through appointments with prosperity and adversity that deepen our relationship with God. Now let's open our Bibles and join Pastor Jim for part three of his message entitled, How Can I Learn Through Adversity? Preaching a lot of sunshine these days. <laughs> I was like scared, I was waiting for a head to turn around. I'm like, oh, I'm in the elevator, my floor. <laughs> but that's not true. That's not true. I love you too much to lie to you. I'd rather have empty seats than to have precious ointment all over me and get to heaven and God go, you told them what? You told them what? My son was crucified and he rose from the dead. So my children would have hope that when they get crucified, that they are going to raise from the dead. And you told people what? Be very careful. Be very careful. It's simply not true. Now, should we pray for healing? Absolutely. Should we pray for our own well-being? Absolutely. Should we pray for jobs? Absolutely. For success in business? Absolutely. But we also have to realize that it might not be God's best for us. And it may not be God's plan for us. Wise men and women see that. And if they love you, they'll point it out to you. Usually in the right way, in the right place, and the right time. I was with a couple brothers from the church this week, and we were reading through a book together. And uh, the author was talking about prayer, and he came to this passage, Matthew 7, 9 through 11. This is the famous ask, seek, knock question. And uh, Jesus says this, Or what man is there among you who, if he asks his son for bread, if his son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will he give him a serpent or a snake? If you then, being evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father, who is in heaven, give good things to those who ask Him? And then the author, I thought, very insightfully said this, God won't give you a stone if you ask for one. I think a lot of the things that we ask for, we think are bread, and they're actually stones. A lot of things we're asking for, we think are fish, and they're actually a snake. Young people, single people, don't ask God for a snake. Wait on him. Wait for God's best. And wise people will tell you, I see what you're doing, and I love you. And I'm willing to risk our friendship to tell you this. 
You're asking God for a snake. You're waiting on a stone. Listen to the wise. Number three, we learn from adversity. We want to learn from adversity. We have to learn to wait, to wait. I know for the first five years of our church, I couldn't even say that word. I'd be like, whoa, <laughs> I'm getting so much better in my old age. Verse 7, surely oppression. You know when things go bad, right? Things are just not going well for you. Probably in this case, it's the losing of money. Surely oppression destroys a wise man's reason. Look at that. Even the wise is vulnerable to the downside of life. And a bribe, or we might call it easy money, debases or corrupts the heart. Now the heart. You know, in Americans, we just go, I'm just following my heart. I mean, you're, watch, you're about to watch somebody do exactly what they want to do and not care how it hurts anybody else. Because the heart is feelings. Not so in the Bible. In the Bible, heart is thinking, motives. It's the place of decision. And so when people say, I'm going to follow my heart, you focus on them and say, okay, so you're going to follow the word of God. You're going to follow hard in the place of decision. Verse 8, the end of a thing or the outcome is better than a beginning. Man, it's easy to get started, isn't it? It's easy to get started in anything, but something worthwhile, the end is better. Most of us have had the opportunity to go. Do you ever go to a really, really nice, expensive wedding? Like, I mean, really, they just break it all out. I mean, it's in this luxurious place, and they have everything you could imagine. By the time dinner comes, you're like, you got to eat more? You're kidding, right? You want to you take a doggy bag, but yeah, that doesn't look good, right? So you know, you're stuffing the stuff in your pockets or something like that. I don't do that. You people do that. And so anyway, um, and that's good, right? But show me a couple that has walked through the ups and downs of life for 50 or 60 years and is still walking down the street holding hands, that's impressive. That is impressive. Anybody can rent a place and have a big shindig, but very few people can go all the way to the end with all the blood, sweat, and tears and heartaches it takes. The end of a thing is better than its beginning. The patient in spirit, I think this is a large part of his point in this section, the patient in spirit is better than the proud in spirit. You can start anything off pride, you know. Ever meet anybody who's, you know, I always tease the people when they've been, I'm like, oh, you've been married for two weeks, you ready to do marriage counseling? Right? <laughs> Not go to it, give it, right? Or people have their first kid and they're like, oh yeah, I'm, we're having a kid next month, but I know everything about kids. Then you know, two months later, I know nothing about kids, help, Right? It's easy, to, it's easy to start anything. People start a business and you try to give them a little bit of advice. I know nothing. Or they're starting on their Christian walk. Oh, I know all about this stuff. Do not hasten, hasten in your spirit to be angry, verse 9, for anger rests in the bosom of fools. Do not say, why were the former days better than these? For you do not inquire wisely concerning this. Why? You don't know the end. I just imagine when, when you know, people are saying, talking about the good old days, Solomon's like, no, that's a stupid thing you say. Verse 11, wisdom is good with an inheritance. Inheritance, they would think under the sun, apart from God, they would think of land and stability and profitable to those who see the sun, those who are alive. Verse 12, for wisdom is a defense as money is a defense. So how would it be a defense? Well, what would money help them for? It would help them for shelter and for hunger, right? But excellence of knowledge is that wisdom gives life to those who have it. So even the wise can be tempted by difficult circumstances. 
Even the wise can be tempted by money, by possessions, by trying to make things happen faster than God's plan. And see, here we see the importance of patience in our lives, having a long-term mindset, waiting on the Lord. And if our goal is finishing well, it will be a lot easier to be patient in the process. I have to constantly remind ourselves, we've been here 10 years now, I have to constantly remind myself, I did at the beginning, I once heard a pastor say this, that your church today is not what it will be in five years. And at the five-year mark, I reminded myself, your church today is not what it will be in five years. And I'm constantly reminding myself now, well, the way our church is today is not what it will be in five years. And when I grow impatient, that's really sometimes the saving grace to say, okay, God, I'm not going to hurry you. I'm not going to rush out ahead. I'm going to try to be patient. Because we all know when we're impatient, what? It's easy to lose our tempers, right? When we're impatient, it's easy to complain. When we're impatient, it's easy to make really bad decisions. When we're impatient, it's really easy to be impulsive in our decisions. But these times, if we allow them, will produce a special kind of long-lasting wisdom in our hearts. Not the wisdom to do, which is what most people assume with wisdom, but there's another kind of wisdom that's here, and it's waiting wisdom. It is the person who has learned or is learning the wisdom to wait upon the Lord. Waiting through adversity helps us survive adversity. Like money helps us to survive, but much, much better. Look at the end of verse 12. Wisdom gives life to those who have it. How? It helps us to press on. Helps us to move forward. Helps us to hang in there. Helps us desire to finish well. Helps us to grow in our faith. And he's only talking about life under the sun. He's not even talking about what's going to happen a thousand years later when Jesus Christ comes and lives and dies and rises and ascends into heaven and will send the Holy Spirit to anyone who would put their trust in him. When he comes, the one the Bible calls the wisdom from God or the wisdom of God, when he comes, he's going to teach us and he's going to give us eternal life. And waiting wisdom understands that eternal life is more important than anything under the sun. The life over the sun is more important than anything under the sun. Luke chapter 10, Jesus sends the 70 out. And he says, man, I want you to go out in my name and I want you to preach and I want you to heal and I want you to cast out demons. These guys come back. They're all jacked up. I mean, they're so excited. They go this, Luke 10, uh, they say, even the demons subject, are subject to your name. And then in verse 20, Jesus says this, nevertheless, do not rejoice in this. You're like, Jesus, you're taking all the air out of our balloon. He says, don't rejoice in this, that the spirits are subject to you, but rather rejoice because your names are written in heaven. Why would Jesus say that? Because things are not always going to go well. Because what goes up must come down. The roller coaster might be up at the moment for them, but it's coming down and Jesus knows it. Wisdom understands what's important and wisdom keeps that out in front of them. I mean, it's really easy to come to church. I hate this kind of preaching, which is why I don't do it. It's really easy to come and make everybody feel real guilty. 
You know, I mean, it's so easy. We're just all sinners, all right? <laughs> like, oh, that was skillful, right? <laughs> Do those sermons about five minutes. Make everybody come up to the front, oh, I'm so sorry, oh, gee, and walk out and never be the same because the thing coming forward and crying is doing it. That's not it at all. It's easy to say, I'm going to live for Jesus. I swear I'm going to live for Jesus. To what? To you walk outside. Sitting here, nice and cool. It's great. You walk outside. Oh, it's hot. No air conditioning out in the world, is there? People say, this is like hell. Yeah, it is, right? It's hot. The Lord's showing us, listen, this is, a, this is a learning lab here on earth. We're learning a lot about God. And one of the things we're going, if we want to learn, we're going to have to learn to wait. So learning through adversity, we look at our life, we listen to the wise, we learn to wait. And fourth and finally, we lean on the Lord. We lean on the Lord. Verse 13, he says, consider the work of God. For who can make straight what he, God, has made crooked? And then the conclusion, verse 14, in the day of prosperity, be joyful. But in the day of adversity, some versions say when times are bad, consider. Twice, he uses that word consider. Why is he using it twice in two verses? Because he wants us to consider. He wants us to think. Surely God has appointed the one as well as the other. Another version says, surely God has made the day of prosperity and the day of adversity. Why? So man can find out nothing that will come after him. The Lord appoints our good days. Why? To teach us to be thankful. I think as Americans, it's probably something we're really lacking in, isn't it? We're not really that thankful. We sort of have this entitlement mentality. I know people want to say that's a recent thing. It's always been that way, right? We just think, hey, we deserve it, right? God gives us good days to teach us to be thankful, but he gives us days of adversity Days of of frustration, days of confusion. So we lean on him, even, maybe, or especially when we need to trust him with the crooked things that we have no power to make straight. There's just some things that are just out of our control. We just can't do it. And God says, listen, I actually make some things crooked that you can't make straight so you will learn to lean on me. You see, the Word of God doesn't promise us answers to everything we want. I was at this Christian thing one time, and, and the pastor said, well, God's going to answer anything question you have. If you want answers, come forward. And all these people went forward. I was like, don't go forward. He's lying. <laughs> He's lying. It's easy to get people to come forward that way, right? But it's not true. Any of you ever have anything God hasn't answered you on? Come on. Don't lie. Right? <laughs> of course, right? We're all, we're all in that boat. See, God hasn't promised us answers to all of our questions. He's promised us what? His presence. He promised that he be with us. And our part is to keep our minds and our hearts focused. Bible uses, Isaiah uses the word, stayed on him. Now, there's a big debate about who causes what, right? You know, uh, some people say, when it says here that God appoints the day of prosperity and the, and, and the day of, you know, the day of adversity. Some people are like, well, God's doing it all. Other people are like, well, what about the devil? You know, what about, some people see the devil under every rock. <laughs> and other people are like, well, what about what I did? 
Um, listen, I have a pool party to go to. I can't sit here and debate that stuff with you, but you're more than welcome to stay after service. <laughs> I have to get into serious uh, squirt gun wars with 10-year-olds. And uh, we can debate who caused what, but I'm convinced that God has appointed the opportunity in both prosperity and adversity for us to grow deeper in our relationship with Him. I think that's what the appointment is. And here's the thing that I can't really explain to you unless you've experienced it. I love those things. I love it when you can't explain it. When you lean on the Lord in a period of great adversity, you experience supernatural love. And while the rest of the world is mad at God, you just love Him more. And you really don't know why. <laughs> People are like, I can't believe you would love God after all this. And you're like, I don't know either. I can't believe it either. <laughs> but I'm glad it's true. He says, consider the work of God. Pay attention. Think about all of your life in terms of not what's happening, but in terms of, of who God is, of what He's like, of what He does. Sometimes really bad things are an opportunity to grow deeper in God before God does something really great. So a young boy by the name of Joseph in the book of Genesis is sold into slavery by his brothers. So God would take his life and use him to save his brothers and the people of God. 400 years later, a fellow by the name of Moses who grew up in Egypt in the palace is exiled out of the country in which he grew up in so God could teach him in adversity what it means to be a shepherd of God's people. And then he will lead his people, God's people. Moses will lead God's people to the promised land. And on the outside of the promised land, God says to him, you're not going in. And Moses says, it's okay. Just give them somebody like you, God, to lead them. A thousand years after King Solomon, an innocent man, no, not an innocent man, a perfect man, will be crucified so the forgiveness of sins and eternal life will be offered to whoever would put their trust in him and pick up their cross and follow him. Luke 9, 51, it says this, Now it came to pass when the time had come for him, Jesus, to be received up, to go on the cross, to raise from the dead and descend into heaven, that he steadfastly set his face to go to Jerusalem. Jesus had plenty of distractions, but he set his face on the cross because Jesus has set his eyes on you, Christian. We can set our eyes on him. So what do we do? We daily rejoice in the good. Daily. I was studying this the other morning, and then I went out and had just a, just a classic awful day. You know those kind of days, right? Just really awful. And uh, my wife has had a nail in her tire for like a month, and I keep telling her, I'll take care of it. Just leave me a note. Just leave me a note. And she keeps not leaving me a note. And so I come home from a really bad day. She's like, how was your day, Pastor Jim? I'm like, <laughs> and, and she goes, well, let me tell you what the Lord did with my tire. <laughs> right? 
and, and how she met this. She, she was having a problem with her tire and was at the gas station. The guy was a Christian and he wanted to be used of God today. And, then, and so God sort of like answered his prayer and he met Pam and they were rejoicing in the Lord and fixed a tire and now her tire is all okay. And the, the Lord was like, just rejoice in the good things, man. What do we do? We take the crooked things of our life that we can't fix and we lay them at the foot of the cross. We don't run from trouble. We don't run from sorrow. We don't run from pain. We don't pretend it's not there. We run to the cross where the Savior awaits our arrival with open arms. You think it's bizarre that that Solomon would say that the day of death is better than the day of birth? Let me let you in on a little secret. Easter's way better than Christmas. (laughs) And the day of his death on the cross was way better than Christmas. Because God the Father appointed that day as the way anyone who would put their trust in Jesus could enter the kingdom of heaven. And he proved he was satisfied with the sacrifice by raising Jesus from the dead. Solomon told us that a good name is better than riches. Jesus was rich in heaven, right? But he came to earth and he was poor. But his name is better than riches. Acts 4.12 says, Nor is there salvation in any other, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Oh, his name is better than riches. Who he was when he walked on earth and died on the cross in your place for your sins is way better than looking good. Life is a roller coaster, isn't it? It is full of ups and downs. But friend, if you're a Christian, please remember this, that someone bigger than any of your successes, that someone bigger than any of your problems is seated in the roller coaster with you. Life is like a box of chocolates. You're going to bite into some, and you're going to go, oh, that's good. You know, my house is like, who ate all the caramels? And I leave the room, (laughs) But you're going to bite into those liqueur things. I can't stand those things, Right? You can say, I don't like that. But God says, you know what? You may learn something in what you don't like. You may learn to look to me. You may learn to lean on me. You may learn to trust in me in a deeper way. The Apostle Paul was no stranger to adversity. He was no stranger to suffering. Listen to his words, Romans 8, 31 and 32. He says, what then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? It doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense. Jesus didn't come and die on the cross for you so that your life would just be complete misery and, and the downside of life would be, would be worthless. The Apostle Paul, a few verses later, Romans 8.37 says, Yet in all these things, in what? In our adversity, in our difficulty, In all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Remember, friends, that no matter what happens, for a Christian, Jesus is with you. And you may get sick on the roller coaster. But he's there to clean up the mess, right? And if you fall out of the roller coaster, he'll follow you and he'll bring you home. 
Remember, Christian, that you're his. You belong to him. He loves you. And if it takes adversity, if it takes sorrow, if it takes pain to grow our relationship with him, I sure hope we look forward to that. Not to silly pain, but to growing deeper. That's it for today with pastor and Bible teacher Jim Kevney of Calvary Chapel, Morris Hills in Dover, New Jersey. We hope and pray that Pastor Jim's simple and passionate verse-by-verse, line-by-line teaching through the book of Ecclesiastes is bringing growth to your Christian faith. Now that you have heard from us, we would love to hear from you. Please let us know how we can pray for you, answer any questions that you may have, and let us know how Changed by Love has helped you. Perhaps you want someone to explain to you how to have your sins forgiven, how you can go to heaven, and how you can get started or restarted in your faith. Maybe you're looking for a good Bible teaching church in your area, or maybe you just need someone to talk to. Remember, friends, we are here to serve you and to help you so that someday the Lord will use you to serve and help others. That's the way the kingdom of God works, and we're thrilled to participate with you in the adventure. There are many ways to connect with Pastor Jim and the team here at Changed by Love. All of our contact information is available on our website, www.changedbyloveradio.com. Once again, that's www.changedbyloveradio.com. Maybe you would like to bless us and write us a card or a letter. Our mailing address is Changed by Love, 158 West Clinton Street, Dover, New Jersey, 07801. Once again, that's Changed by Love, 158 West Clinton Street, Dover, New Jersey, 07801. Please join us next time on this same station. Until then, stay close to Jesus, and we know that you too will be changed by His love.